a young woman named April Jackson borrowed a bootleg copy of Ninja Assassin from her cousin one day. And she said, who is this fine man that I've never seen before? Ray. She said, oh, he only has one name? Let me... Let me research and find out more about this rain. Oh, and then I find out this rain is a, a iconic singer in South Korea who does hip hop dances with no shirt on. And I said, oh, my God, who is this man? So I even had like one aunt was like, I can't believe she went over there to chase that Asian man. And oh, I said, first of all. Yes. Have I seen him four times? And did I go to his concert two weeks after being in Korea? And I did, but he was just like an introduction to yeah. it, and it was like the best thing ever because it really changed my life. So, like that's how it started. That is how the legend has it. Won't you come along with me? Hello, hello! Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad: Perspectives on Studying Abroad from Past and Present Students of Color. My name is Danielle. And I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend April as the guest. I'm also excited to talk to you today because I'm back. <laughs> as you might know, the last regular episode I put out of the show was episode 80 back in May. And then since then, with the exception of the third anniversary episode that I did in, in June, on Juneteenth, I've been on a nice little break, a nice little pause from this podcast, and I said I'd be back in July, and technically I did get back into the swing of finding new guests, interviewing people, and particularly working on this episode in July. But as far as putting new episodes out, I was like, you know, I could push it to August. So now we're here in August, and I'm glad to be here. I hope y'all are glad to be here listening. And um, yeah, before I get into it and tell you about April, I do want to mention that in the third anniversary episode that I put out on Juneteenth, I did mention how I was recently a guest on the Why We Wander podcast, which is put out by The Wandering Scholar. And it wasn't out at that time, but it is out now. So... If, you, <laughs> if you're interested in hearing me talk about my own study abroad experiences and also uh, my thoughts behind Young, Gifted, and Abroad, be sure to check it out. Shannon, Tamara, and Marie from Why We Wander were so welcoming. I had a really nice time talking to them, so make sure y'all go check that out. That's episode 53 of Why We Wander. All right, so about today's guest, April. April is such a creative person and one of the creative things that I know her from most is a podcast called Jean Cha Cha, which she did with her friend Girl Davis. And April is from the Midwest, Girl Davis is from London. So it was these two black women from across the Atlantic talking about K-pop together, Korean pop culture and everything in between and it was such a great show it was one of my favorites for a long time and then after five years in 2020 they decided to gracefully bow out and put an end to Jin Cha Cha but thankfully you know I still follow both of them and I was able to do an interview feature with them 
um, for Women of Color Podcasters back in 2019. And both April and Girl Davis have taught English in South Korea. But I also remembered that April had studied in Korea as well. So this summer, when I was thinking of new people to reach out to, April was the first person to come to mind. Thankfully, when I reached out to her, she was down. And here we are. April's background is in fashion. She got it honest, like it runs in her family. Uh, but she also studied fashion in college. And she didn't get the chance to study abroad in undergrad, but one of her fashion instructors actually told her about the possibility of teaching English abroad. And that, plus April being exposed to K-pop in college, came together and led her to moving to Korea to teach after she graduated. Uh, so she taught for two years in two very different cities in South Korea. And after that, she went back to the States. But after a while, she got the itch to go back to Korea again. And so this time, she went as a student and studied Korean at a very prestigious university in Seoul. She was drawn to this school because she knew it was prestigious, but she learned that uh, actually the style of teaching that they had there, as much as she was able to progress in her Korean, the teaching style was not, it didn't really gel with the way that she learns. And you'll get to hear her explain how all that went. April is back in the States now, but Korea still has a huge influence on all the creative things that she does. And she does a lot from making online content to uh, designing and making face masks by hand. And she actually has a new show coming out, which is called A K-Pop Fashion History, which blends all of her interests together. So yeah, very exciting things on the horizon. I was so excited to get to talk to April because I am a fan of hers and Girl Davis's. And even though we had gotten to communicate in the past, uh, this is our first time actually speaking with each other and I had a really great time. There was so much laughter. And yeah, we just had a lot of really good, really thoughtful things to talk about. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, April Jackson. I know I've said before in the past, and I'm not trying to gas you up or anything, but I really am a fan of you and the work that you oh. and Girl Davis did with Jin Cha Cha. Like, Thank you. Y'all's impact was awesome for me. Like <laughs> When mm. I first started... Um, <clears throat> listening to podcasts regularly y'all y'all's show was one of the first podcasts that i was listening to on a regular basis and after i'd already checked out of k-pop y'all kind of you know kept me in the loop so i kind of knew what was going on (laughs) yeah oh my goodness (laughs) oh that's really awesome to hear so yeah i just want to say i'm i was really looking forward to speaking with you and um i'm really glad that you agreed to be a guest because i even though y'all are retired or I don't know what you would call it you know I still appreciate the work that y'all did yeah, no thank you so much like um when you contact me it's interesting is at this time because I'm actually um in the process of starting up another podcast oh um, cool. and it's going to be on k-pop fashion history so it's going to be specifically on fashion so 
when you contacted me, I was like, oh, look, <laughs> I'm getting back into the podcast sphere. And oh, yeah. Like, now I get to be on here. And it's like a, like a warm up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a really great, you know, like to be able to chat and talk again because I'm probably a little rusty. So I'm like, oh, good. Like <laughs> now I can, you know. It's like, ooh, in the spotlight. It's like, yeah. <laughs> so, no, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm glad that I could help you practice for your new show. That sounds really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is great. I was like, oh, wow. You know, especially on this, uh, your platform. It's like, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> this is like perfect. You know, really get back into it, and so yeah, it's my pleasure, and thank you for for being here. Um, so I know who you are, I know of you, right? But uh, other people mm-hmm. who are listening to this later might not uh, be familiar with with you. So, you know, why don't we get started uh, with this conversation with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind? Awesome. Yes. So I am April J. I used to go by Pink Fashion Ninja. So, <laughs> so people only know me from like that name in the back in the day. And they're like, Oh, Pink Fashion Ninja. I'm like, Yeah, I had to change it because in college it was good. <laughs> but now that I'm older, I'm like, Okay, let me go by a different moniker. So mm. I'm April J. Um, I guess I explain myself as just a content creator. Just um, at a time in my life right now, it's just about just taking control of, I guess, my career, what I want in life, and just putting out that content to show, you know, who I am and, you know, whatever, whichever platform that I can. Um, I also have my own small accessory line company of face masks right now um expanding into other things so nice. i'm a sewer diyer content creator blogger so anything that has to do with fashion sewing or k-pop it's me yeah <laughs> it's me fashion sewing k-pop yeah you're like i like that you exercise like all different facets of your of your creativity that's i've mm. always thought that was something really um interesting about you Thank you. Uh, and how you summarized that up so beautifully. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> Facets of, oh, it sounds beautiful, girl. I'm going to have to have you write my resume. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Facets of just the creativity, darling. Thank you. I feel like I feel I feel special. I'm like, who is she talking about? You oh, are you are special. You should feel special, April. <laughs> oh man, now I feel. I said, oh, who's she talking about? <laughs> I promise that's probably just because you know nice. I spend too too much of my time uh, with my nose in a book, and so some oh, some see, words that's the just best right there. <laughs> some words just stick, and I you know. Maybe I sound yeah. more sophisticated than I am at times, but no, I mean that. Like you're Wonderful. a really creative person, and you you use all of it, and I think that's really great. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. So as you mentioned, like uh, you mentioned K-pop, uh, and you're working on something having to do with Korean fashion. So like Korea, mm-hmm. South Korea, has become a really influential part of your life, right? Um, yes, yes. So, and I know because I was. <laughs> I was looking through some of your old YouTube videos to try and get a sense of the timeline. (laughs) I can't look at them. (laughs) I cringe. You know, I feel you. I don't listen to old episodes of this show just because I don't want to judge myself. So I'm Mm. right there with you. 
Um, but yeah, I was looking at old videos of yours and I realized that most people I talk to who have both studied abroad and taught abroad usually did it in that order, but you mm. did it in, in the opposite, right? You oh, taught yeah, in Korea sense. first and then you mm-hmm. went back to as a student, right? Is that how it went? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I guess for me, it was while I was in college, they actually had a chance for everyone to go abroad in Europe. Because, you know, when you think fashion, like the first thing people think of is like London, Europe. Mm-hmm. So they had that opportunity, but I just didn't have the money to go. Yeah, <laughs> I real. just like, so I would have loved to have like studied first, but I, I'm not privileged whatsoever. I say I was born with a plastic spork in my mouth. <laughs> Like, <laughs> that's the only way I can explain it. So, oh. <laughs> so, because, so because of that, like, in my adulthood, I just tried to, like, everything that, like, I know, like, my mom couldn't afford and, like, my family would, hadn't been able to experience, I wanted to. So, mm. after college, um, Okay, I'm kind of jumping around. It's like so That's much. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> so um, I'll finish about going abroad. So, you know, they were able to go to Europe and I was like, oh, man, like, wow, I wish I could. But I did not have the money. But I knew at that time, I was like, I knew I want to go overseas. And actually, first, it was Japan. So mm-hmm. I didn't even really know anything about Korea, like at all. It was like all like Japanese fashion. That's what I really uh, loved in uh, college. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harajuku, Gyaru, like that kind of uh, stuff. So I, my plan was to actually go over to Japan first. And mm-hmm. I wanted to like work in fashion or like study there. Like, what's it called? Bunker. Uh, Bunku Fashion College like there's a lot of like really cool places but I didn't know that visa wise for Americans uh, like getting a job there is not easy it's like all the other different countries you can like work over there for like a year and that kind of cool stuff but for America Japan and America doesn't have that uh, relationship when it comes to visas like that Mm -hmm. so I found that out later and I was like oh my gosh like (laughs) I was like planning on like transferring to the forever 21 out there like I was so bold when I was younger Mm -hmm. I'm actually I'm trying to get that boldness back I was like I told forever 21 (laughs) I'm transferring to the Tokyo Harajuku forever 21 (laughs) knowing I had no information about visas nothing so I would have liked to, but I did not have the access and the funds to be able to like study abroad like that. Mm-hmm. So with teaching, it was, okay, I have a job. I'm able to make money and, you know, survive over there and be in a country that I really love. I didn't even know teaching was an option like ESL. I had no clue, but I actually had a fashion instructor that was like, hey, did you know about teaching abroad English? And I was like, oh really she was like yeah and then you can do your freelance fashion like freelance and I said oh my gosh so (laughs) like after a lot of money with paperwork because the paperwork was quite expensive you know I was like mama please mama please like help me (laughs) and it just came together actually at the last minute almost didn't end up I don't know if I've ever told this story at the last minute I actually couldn't afford my plane ticket down there um wow 
they told me, you know, okay, they were like, oh, it's like a thousand plus dollars and then you leave tomorrow. And I was like, oh my gosh, I did not know this. I said, I'm sorry, but I can't go. I don't have the money. And mm-hmm. I like my whole world just fell. And this was at like 10 o'clock at night. And my recruiter was like, oh no, it's okay. You just, we'll pay for it and you just pay us back with your paycheck. And I, my mouth dropped. I said, oh my gosh. And within four hours, my plane was supposed to leave. Wow. I was packing within four hours because I thought I couldn't leave because I didn't have any money. Uh-huh. Girl, I ended up missing my flight. <laughs> it, I was supposed to go to LA to get a real quick visa and then go. Missed my flight. My mom kind of did not wake me up so I wouldn't go because <laughs> she didn't want me leaving. <laughs> I thought I had like set my alarm, but it was like everything that could go wrong went wrong. But anyway, somehow I was able to get the funds to get a quick ticket to LA. And then from there, I was on a plane to Korea with like a little bitty suitcase (laughs) because that's all I could pack. And so it was, even though I had planned for it and tried, it was still almost like this hectic 24 hours just yeah. to get there so again I think that just attributes to like my struggle <laughs> of having no one in my family to talk to or going overseas as no one had so it's like yeah. everything was like a first for me so for me why I had to teach first was because it was a job it was where I could earn money mm-hmm. live there because I did not have like that luxury. So that's why it was backwards yeah. uh, for me. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you only had, this had been in the works, but you really only had like a few hours to basically pack up your life and yeah, move yeah. to I another thought country. I, <laughs> yeah. Cause they were, cause they were like, you know, I, I was what I had just graduated from college. I was maybe like 20, mm-hmm. you know, I was still living at home at that time during college, working full time. And they were, then they were like, Oh, well just send us the thousand twelve hundred dollars for your plane ticket we're ready and i'm just like twelve hundred dollars <laughs> and i was like where did this come from like i don't remember like all this like what <laughs> and i mean you know that's like a lot of money to me at that time yeah. i mean it still is but right. you know for a plane ticket and that's when then you know i thought i couldn't go and i was like oh my gosh um, I'm from Kansas City, so it's not like a fashion town. So when mm-hmm. I had graduated, um, you know, there really weren't any opportunities for me. And I was just really not in a very good place because, you know, you graduate and you have just this, uh, these dreams and these aspirations. And, you know, I'm a millennial too. Mm-hmm. Are you a millennial as well? Yes. Yeah. I am. Okay. And, you know, just they told us, you know, you go to college and you work for this company for 30 years and you retire and then you get, that was yeah, 60 years ago, that was true, yeah, but that's no, not that in the way now. It don't that work anymore. <laughs> I have so much student loan debt. Oh, all the jobs I were at, they all closed and, and uh, closed their doors oh, no. <laughs> because they couldn't stay open and, and or they want to, you know, push you off quickly so they don't have to give you unemployment, uh, not unemployment, um, insurance or, you mm. know, jobs are just so fickle now. So it was yeah. like, I was told that story. Okay. This is how you go about it but i had to find out <laughs> that, that that's not yeah. <laughs> actually so so you had to find some different um yeah yeah so that's how you ended up teaching in korea you mentioned mm-hmm. um how korea wasn't initially on your radar so was it the mm-hmm. the person who told you about teaching is that what exp- put korea mm-hmm. in your mind or i don't know if you had been exposed to the music at that point um yeah you know so with my uh, friends, 
later in life, I found out like 90% of my friends had known about K-pop when they were like teens. Mm. And they were like, yeah, I used to watch it on this and that. And I was like, well, I didn't know about it till I was in college. And I realized because I didn't have internet in my house. Mm. <laughs> so I would, and we didn't have cable either, like yeah. literally VHS tapes. And I'm watching like the Matrix 40 times, <laughs> which is okay. <laughs> I love the Matrix. But I had to watch that in like Big Mama's house on VHS in the summer. So mm. um, <laughs> I think that's why I didn't know about K-pop earlier. If I had the internet and like cable, I would have like, I feel like easily found out about it. Even back then, like mm-hmm. it was like little snippets of stuff on things. Um, but actually <laughs> the, the legend has it, a young woman named April Jackson borrowed a bootleg copy of ninja assassin from her cousin <laughs> one day with rain she, in it she sat that down to watch the movie and <laughs> she said who is this fine man that i've <laughs> never seen before he just gave her a little tingle and she looked at the name at the end of the credits and it said rain rain she said oh he only has one name let me let me research <laughs> and find out more about this rain oh, and then i find out this rain is like iconic singer in South Korea who does hip-hop dances with no shirt on and I said oh my god who is this man so I even had like like literally I had family members I my mom just now told me this like one aunt was like I can't believe she went over there to chase that Asian man and I said first of all yes have I seen him four times and did I go to his concert two weeks after being in Korea and I went to Seoul and had never been there for I didn't even really speak Korean at that time. And I was just like, I just see, and I pointed at the uh, Olympic Stadium. I said, take me here <laughs> to see this man. And I did. But he was just like an introduction to yeah. it. And it was like the best thing ever because it really changed my life. So like if I ever met Rain, I'd cry. I know people are like, what? Like, <laughs> but I... <laughs> Like, that's how it started. That is how the legend has it. Wow. Um, But, yeah, so that's what – and then it was kind of like, here goes Japan. I just, like, kicked it to the side. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't, like, revisit anything Japanese till, like, 2015, 2014, some years in Korea when I had a Japanese-Korean, like, guy I was talking to or whatever. And he's like, you need to listen to Japanese stuff. And then he introduced me to Miyavi, which is now uh, my second ultimate yes. artist that I love. So it's your, Rain Miyavi. So your other Rain, husband, like, yes. introduced. Yeah, he was like, hey, <laughs> you need a little beer in Japan. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I got, yeah, so it's both. So that's how that started. Oh, my gosh. Can I say the way you told that story... Is A plus. A plus. If I just tell it regularly, people will be like, this girl's insane. <laughs> it's like a legend. It's written in like this old dusty book somewhere. <laughs> and it's in Sanskrit. And people are like researching it for purposes. So <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I need to gather myself. Okay. Um, 
You're like, this is supposed to be like serious. I'm sorry. No, it's not. It is a mess. It just is. I'm so sorry. No, no, no need to apologize. This is just a conversation. I don't even try to make it serious or anything. I just, I'm, I'm I'm thoroughly entertained right now. That's, that's all. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. So, Ninja, oh, I totally forgot about that movie. Ninja Assassin and Rain was like your gateway into. Free and entertainment and whatnot. Yeah. It was okay. Like Alice, and I was following him down the hole. He jumped down the hole, and I was like, Wee! And I never looked back. <laughs> and I just fell. And I'm still going down the hole. And I'm yeah. like, It's a long hole. Okay. Yeah. But that looks, I mean, but that worked out, right? Because that led you to doing all kinds of amazing things. It, man, you know? it was one of the best things ever in my life. Because, yeah, the opportunities while I was out there just like I can't like even when I look back now like I'll get down and sometimes and I'll just read an old blog post so I'll just scroll through my old like Instagram feed or my blog I'm like wow April you did a lot in the opportunities that were available like I have to remind my myself so Mm -hmm. it's definitely a like positive in my life for sure Oh, yeah. It's especially with you and all the experience, wide ranges of experiences that you've had, you know, to be like, mm. yeah, I, I did that. You know, <laughs> I've lived yeah. and I, I'm still living, you know. Right. right. Um, so I will ask you about, you know, living in Korea the first time. But um, mm-hmm. before that, I just wanted to know what got you interested in <clears throat> fashion to the extent that, you know, that's what you studied. You know, that was what you're degree and your expertise is in what got you into fashion yeah um just man I think just as early as I can remember it was always just interesting to me like the pop stars um like I was a huge Spice Girls fan mm. <laughs> like Scary Spice Sporty Spice are my my girls um just the fashion and how they were able to express themselves and my grandmother is actually a master seamstress she had mm. been sewing since she was like seven years old and she would make her mother and her brothers and sisters and entire family and then all six of her kids outfits so um my grandmother really introduced me to like the world of like fashion and sewing she always had a huge sewing room and she'd have scraps of fabric everywhere and I would like make Barbie clothes out of the scraps or make an outfit for my dog or something and (laughs) have the dog looking crazy Dog's like, okay, what is she doing to me? So, um, and then my mother, she um, got that style bug, not particularly sewing, but with fashion. Like my mom, oh my gosh, the piles of, and racks and racks of clothes she has right now is crazy. So always just both of them. Actually, we're like the only ones in the family that have it. So it's weird Mm. that it skipped all her other kids and grandkids and came to me. So Started with my grandmother and just her natural knack for sewing, my mother's natural style, and it just like trickled over to me. And just the, you know, inspiration just growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s, yeah. it was just so fun. Like, oh, just, you know, everything now is all just a replica of then. So, <laughs> um, it was just, like really true, is. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think of, oh, and 
especially like R&B, the old 70s and 80s movie, like movies. I watch like a lot of black exploitation movies just to get that inspiration from Pam Greer and Eartha Kitt, like these, those are kind of icons and gowns and beautiful, just everything that they wore. So I feel like that, I guess you could say like black culture from the 70s and 80s and that style, I feel like I have been embedded with it and I try to replicate that now that it's hard to get that elegance now with mm-hmm. you know polyester synthetics and you know the, how the fabrics are now they're so cheap and fast fashion it's easy yeah. to throw away things but you know I just think of wow what would Eartha Kitt wear how would she want to express herself or times I don't feel confident in myself and I'm like well okay I might, I might be a mess on the inside, but I'm sure in the heck I'm not going to show it on the outside. Mm. So I'm going to, so that's always been like something my mom and grandma would say, you know, you might, you might not feel good on the inside. You might be going through some stuff, but no one will never know it. Cause you're going to walk in that room looking like a million bucks. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so lots of cultural influences, especially from like various pockets of like media and pop culture, but also from within your own family. It's like, um, I don't know if you would call it part of your heritage or maybe your family legacy, but yeah, you, you, like you said, you got it from your mother and your grandmother and um, uh, especially knowing how to sew. I feel like it's <laughs> not something people just know how to do anymore. So the fact that, right. you know, you had, uh, like you said, a master seamstress in your family that you could learn from directly, that's that's priceless, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel very privileged. I'm not the best sewer, I will say. Like, I still have a lot of work to do, but um, I'm thankful I at least have someone to help problem solve Mm -hmm. (laughs) my issues. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, Korea, you graduated, got the teaching job in Korea, moved to Korea in kind of like a a frenzy because of how hectic it was, Mm -hmm. and then you arrived I know you you spent some time like living in the Seoul area, but when you first moved to Korea, you weren't near Seoul, were you? No, I was four hours away from Seoul. Okay. I lived um, in an area called Samtok, and it was right by the East Sea. So I lived at the East Sea, and like the city was known for like its caves and bats. Hmm. It's also known for Penis Park, if you ever go. Very interesting place. Penis? So, is that what it's called? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's statues of penises <clears throat> and all body parts. And it's actually, it's a wow. really cool place, actually. But that's what it's known for. Bats and Penis Park. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> is, that, is there any relation between that place and the place that's in Jeju? Uh, they're similar. Okay. Very similar. Um, actually, I know the one in Jeju, I know they have the outside side statues. I don't know. I don't know if it's like an inside one too, but this one has outside and inside. Okay. And it is pretty vast. Um, but so I would, I haven't been to the one in Jeju, but it looks really cool. That one's really popular. Not many people know about the one in Samchok, but Mm. I would say it might have a little even more than the one in Jeju, but I would say go to both of them. Yeah. They're, they're, it's really fun. You have to go with like your girlfriends and it's super fun. Yeah. Um, but is it, I I'm live, sorry, I, I know it's off topic, but like, is it for, is it art or is it for like sex education or um, something? 
you know what? I, I had to go back to my blog to see what I wrote down. <laughs> I'm trying to remember like a picture. I remember, uh, I think it was educational a okay. little bit and fun because like one thing about Korea, they think that's like super funny. Like a lot of stuff. I feel like America was like, Oh, you know, boo boo or Oh, a penis. And it's like, for them, it's like, Oh, look, ha ha ha. It's funny kind of thing. Like huh, it's, okay. it's not so taboo. I feel like when it comes to, you know, you have like a poop pencil and somebody's like, Oh, this is cool. They just be using it. And, you know, and somebody <laughs> in America was like a poop pencil. Like, <laughs> but it's, it's just like, I guess like the nuances are a little bit different, mm-hmm, but, right. um, but yes, it, I just know they had big old, they had a large statue. <laughs> but I, I do think it was educational though, because I think I did see where they had like the little plaque underneath that explained like who made it and what it represented. Okay. Oh, and I know there's actually like a story. This girl was at the lake or like the ocean right by the East Sea and she was like sad and like a sailor like flashed her and it's like somehow she like fell in the water and like the fishes were gone or something and the fishes returned. I actually have to look that story up but there's actually like a story to it and I think that's why now that it's kind of coming back to me now (laughs) I think that's why they came up with there was like this story a legend that happened so. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Highly recommend. Highly. (laughs) But yeah, this was the town you were living in. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what was your impression? How did you find living there? Did you enjoy living there? Um, I did. I will say now that I'm older, I would have spent a little bit more time exploring it more. Mm. But at that age, like all I could think about was soul. Mm. All I could think about was, you know, like the fashion opportunities I wanted to get at. So I was going absolutely every single weekend on a four hour bus to Seoul every weekend. Oh my goodness. Because, you know, just hanging out with friends and, you know, going to like little fashion shows, Seoul Fashion Week. Like I, I was always going. I wouldn't return to like 10 p.m. Sunday night and I had to work at like eight, nine in the morning. <laughs> I was crazy. Wow. But. I would have taken more time to explore like the caves and just kind of appreciate the city a little bit more. Um, the people were always very nice to me. I can say mm. um, I had like my little cafes that I would visit all the time that they would get to know me. There weren't many foreigners in that city at all. This was some time ago. So I'm sure now they probably have a bit more, but there was maybe only like a couple of foreigners there. But overall, my experience in that city was good. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the school I was at is a whole different story. But at least the people (laughs) of the city were nice. But I was like, hold up. Someone treated me bad there. And I was like, oh, yeah, the school I taught at. Um, (laughs) You would put it out of your mind. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to forget it. I was like, hmm, somebody always did me dirty. Um, But yeah, so I, I I I would suggest going there. They have caves and it's a cool little town. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was going back and watching some of your old videos and I remember there was some video where you were like, something about, this is my last year teaching. I'm never going to be teaching again. Not in Korea, not in America. I am not <laughs> teaching. Again. Did I say that? You oh said, my I mean, God. it's not verbatim, but yeah, that's basically that what funny. you said. So, I felt it. I didn't do it. I didn't, I totally forgot I said it. <laughs> I so like, well, that's correct. 
you know, I, I want to know about your experience with teaching. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, if some stuff is really just too negative or painful to revisit, you don't have to mm-hmm. go into the nitty gritty. But, you know, can you talk about your experience teaching in Korea? Yeah. Um, so my first experience that year was actually not that positive at all. And mm-hmm. if I had left Korea after that one year, I probably would not be a part of like how you at all because it was such like a turn off a bad experience mm-hmm. that I probably would have like hated Korea and never like want to hear anything k-pop nothing korea just be done with it like to be honest like that experience was not a good one um and i believe to counter that that's why i was always in seoul always hanging out with my friends and trying to remind myself of the opportunities i was trying to work toward to make my make it worth the trouble Mm -hmm. i believe like that's what i was really trying to do um it was because I worked at a hagwon, which is like mm. a private tutoring place that the kids come after school. I had kind of like a co-teacher who would, we didn't teach together. It was really small. It only had like four or five classrooms. Mm. It was like on the second floor. And I had to teach these kids and like get their respect of like preteens. So, first of all, preteens, I think they were all, like, created in Hades somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> like, and Not then they're, like, molded and in there. Because they come out innocent to, like, 11. Oh, they're just 10. They're so beautiful. They're oh, from the heavens. And then it's just, like, Hades goes, to, like, let me mold them. Let me change your arm here and leg there. And then they bring them up to Earth and then... There they are. So, <laughs> like, I was, uh, what, 22 at that time. And I also want to share that this was my first time ever living on my own. Mm. It was my first time ever leaving the country. It was my first time ever being in South Korea. So, these are all three firsts. It was my yeah. first time having, like, a job with the place and on my own. Like, as my first time ever living as an adult yeah. was in South Korea in a country that I had never been to. And, you know, I was learning the language, so but I was nowhere near, like, fluent. So, this was an experience, like, whole new experience for me. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, I was teaching them, trying to, you know, gain that respect and learn and you know, with them on top of my computer went out and they never fixed it. So I had no way to print off anything. I had no way to look up lessons. I had no way to do anything. And when I would complain, they're like, oh, we're going to get a fix. And then they never did. And I think even sometimes they would even pay me late. And some of the teachers were like really mean to me. It was actually like this one guy teacher who like come to found out was like trying to mess with some of the girls there. And I'm like, dude, what? you need to be in jail, but you want to like I'm have an attitude jail. with me. Right. So yeah. I'm like, you're a creepo. That's, that's probably why you didn't like me. So I'm like, well, you know, I'm not a creepo, so we're not going to get along. Mm-hmm. So, and then I was friends with this. Well, I thought I was friends with this girl who just oh terrible and like she was like talking about me and it it, like it was like such negative energy from that place Mm -hmm. and it was like I had no support even though the only person I had was that teacher and thankfully she would actually tell me stuff they were saying in Korean she was like I think you should know and and you she would like help me with things so she was really really great but it was just like they were so negative at that school Mm -hmm. and 
you know, I'm trying to get these respect from these kids. I want to teach them. But if I don't have a computer, what am I supposed to do? You know, if they're reading, if they're studying from books that don't even have learning materials with them, what am I supposed to do? So it just became a very kind of negative, really draining experience for me. And it wasn't until my second year which was a different school in Gyeonggi-do, which is the province right under Seoul. So Mm -hmm. I was only like 30 minutes away from Seoul on the bus. That experience at a um, middle school, public middle school, was much drastic, like 180, 360, whatever, like from the experience of that. So I, but when I look back, most a lot of people had negative experiences at Hagwons because they are private, so they don't have as much overhead. But at a public school, you know, they have the government to, you know, over their head and so many other like, entities that run it. So it was a much better experience for me. Yeah. So with that school. I had a few co-teachers, you know, it was like little, if little things happened, like it was nothing major, but at the end, I just kind of realized I can't teach anymore. It's making me unhappy, mm-hmm. even though I'm in this place that I love and I had was, man, the opportunities that I was able to get and build in this country that I had never been to was just, it was unimaginable. So it was really stupid for me to leave at that time, even though teaching, Uh, was making me unhappy it's something I've had to fight with years of kind of making that choice and it's like I just you know it's kind of like I had something and it's like why did I break from that um but you know dealing with mental health and that's been like something just throughout the years I've just struggled with but that experience was much better there were like nuances when it came to just uh, like the vice principal there. I liked the school, but I was kind of used as like a prop. So every Mm -hmm. time I came to school, I would have to stand outside and greet all the students, even in the snow. (laughs) So I thought that was a little crazy. And like Mm -hmm. my co-teacher would try to like talk to the vice principal. He's like, no, I want the students to see her outside smiling and waving to the students. And then I couldn't even have my own like private uh, room to like t- uh, study from and do my lessons. He moved me to the library so I could, so the kids wanted to speak English at any time I was always there. So it was yeah. like, I went from one school where I, you know, they didn't even care anything what I was doing to another one that was like super controlling. I just kind of felt like a puppet yeah. there for the kids instead of like an instructor that those two. And I was like, wow, you know, this is getting a bit much for me. So even though it was a much better experience the other than the other school, the reason why I chose to say I'm never teaching again <laughs> was because of, I said, you know, and also they own your where you live. Oh, that's another thing I forgot. So they, you know, they own where you live. So your mm. housing is attached to your school. Well, yeah. when I lived in the um, country um, in some talk, I was young again. I didn't realize that the place that they gave me, it didn't have any windows. <laughs> it was basically a basement and it just had like the window to the light. So like my apartment had mold in it and 
it's like you can't give someone an apartment with no windows, right? right. <laughs> so it was just kind of like I already had like this hectic time, like last 24 hours to even get over there. And it's like, okay, wow, now I'm in like a really crappy situation right now. So that's why I stayed another year. I wanted to see if I can have a better experience. Mm-hmm. It was, that apartment was great. Like, oh my gosh, much better, much better experiences. But overall just my decision was to never teach again and thankfully I've never had to teach again yeah because <laughs> I can't do it again yeah I mean I know you mentioned maybe feeling like I don't know like maybe you might have missed out on a good thing in terms of like leaving Korea and not teaching mm-hmm. anymore but you know you you were honest with yourself which I think is very um brave and very important and it's like if if you gave it a shot you know, it's better than sticking it, saying somewhere where it's <laughs> you're like dying inside. You know, <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, definitely, um, definitely. And, and you were able to to go back uh, eventually, mm-hmm. right? So, yes. Um, yes. Oh, I did want to ask. So you mentioned you worked with a recruiter to get placed in the first school you were at um, mm-hmm. in Sam Samchuk. Am I pronouncing that? Correctly? Yes, yes, it's perfect, perfect. Um, <laughs> so, how did you um, find the the other position that was closer to Seoul? Yes, so uh, they contacted me about that one because I was actually trying to leave uh, that Hagwon early, mm. and once they found out, they were like, "Oh no, we promise we'll get stuff fixed, and you can't leave early." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I can. Like, I know we have a contract, <laughs> but..." You guys literally have just left me with nothing. Um, but when that ended, they approached me about this other position much closer to Seoul and in a public school. So, um, yep, they just like contacted me about it because I okay. wanted, cause I just strongly said, you know, I cannot do these hagwons anymore. Like this experience is like really not good. So okay. thankfully they had something better for me. So it was the same recruiting organization that you were working mm, yes. with previously placed you in yes, the yeah. next school. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know, decided to keep, quit teaching and move back to the States. Uh, eventually you found your way back to Korea as a student. Can you talk about how that came about? You know, what led to your decision to go back as a student this time and what you were studying? Yeah. Um, when I think of like my story, it's all, it's kind of like, I don't want to say depressing, <laughs> but, um, I know it's, I guess it's just learning and mm-hmm. experiencing life and figuring out things. So sorry if it, people are like, Oh, now it's like super sad now, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just, just real life, like, you growth. know? Yeah. Mm, growth. Yeah. yeah. Like you said. Yeah. So when I had moved back, um, I actually had trouble still finding a job again, Mm. even though I had lived in South Korea and I spoke, you know, pretty good Korean and I had a bachelor's degree. It somehow still wasn't enough. Mm. And I I think it's something people don't talk about a lot is like the reverse culture shock. Um, cause actually when I went to Korea, maybe cause I was like so eager and expecting a difference. It wasn't like a shock to me. I never had like culture shock when I went there, but actually returning, I had reverse culture shock because it's like, 
you know, when you're away in a different place, you know, your days are new and, you know, time is going by really fast. But Mm kind of when you go back home, it almost seems like time just kind of like slowed down there. And but things have changed and you're kind of like, okay, wow, this almost just seems like a new place. It's like it's not new, but it still seems like it's new. So Mm -hmm. It was a little hard for me to adjust back because I had like this fast paced life in Korea. Um, at that time I was doing like K-pop dancing. I had singing lessons. I was, you know, doing my fashion. I was working with drama fever. It was like a lot of like really great opportunities. So when I went back, I kind of got into like a depression and I couldn't you know, I couldn't find work. And it's just like, guys, I'm like, guys, look, there's my resume. Like, look, all this cool stuff I've done. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, oh, like, just kind of looking down, like, you know, well, who do you think you are? And, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, you're overqualified for this position, or you're not qualified enough. And it was just like, I just, it was almost like I was trying to, a puzzle piece, trying to fit back into something that into some like a puzzle that's been changed Mm. so it's like oh well I came from this puzzle but this puzzle is different so like where do I fit in now so really the reason I went back to Korea I of course I wanted to be able to be fluent in Korean that was like my whole goal I've always wanted to um but it was also I felt during that time it was just a really big mental struggle where I felt I needed to go back and try again Mm. and regretting leaving when I had so many like opportunities, especially when it came to singing. Cause at that time, actually right before I left, I had recorded a demo at my, uh, music school and I had a teacher that was really trying to push for me singing in Korea. So it was like, April, you had this, like, why did you like leave that? And another reason why I came back was because, um, of family stuff, like a lot of stuff going on in my family. So I had that filial piety. (laughs) It was like, okay, (laughs) I have to go back home and like help. And even though I didn't have the power to do anything or change anything, I just kind of felt bad, like kind of almost having all this fun or doing all these things when I knew my family was like going through things. So, it was just a lot of emotion. So mm-hmm. I finally realized, okay, let me try to go back. You know, I want to go to school. Let me see if like I can maybe get these opportunities again. So uh, I went back to school or I went to school there. So I went to Yonsei University and I went into the Korean language program mm-hmm. and um, studied there for, I think, three four months about yeah and um that was a really interesting experience the korean school system is very different like the way that they learn it's like really cramming a lot of information in at once mm-hmm. i did retain it i did i did but it is a lot <laughs> uh to do because i'm a visual learner like i have to connect pictures with photos and words and experiences to really Mm. get them to go inside of my head yeah but um I went there studied um 
but it was kind of a different vibe because I did have to live off my own money because when you're there as a student, you can't work until you've lived there, I believe six months. So I oh, couldn't, so you like, couldn't get a, work. Oh. Yeah. So I was living off of the money that I had in my savings. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like another struggle. So it's like, okay, all right, April, you didn't want your school. <laughs> you know, owning where you lived and having that control. All right, now you have that control, but now you have to like spend this money for a place to stay. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't live in the dorm because I didn't have enough for that. So I actually lived in a Goshiwan, which is a super small little room that usually students, you know, stay in. But um, that getting accustomed to that was a lot. And, you know, juggling school. Anyway, at the end, I found out that they actually ended up putting me in the wrong uh, class. So there's actually two classes. It was, it was one that is for English speakers. And then it was another one for specifically students who spoke languages that were similar to Korean. And they put hmm. me in that one. And I never realized. <laughs> and I looked around How and I said, do hmm. that? When I had asked them, I didn't find out till the, actually the end. Again, maybe I was like super stressed, so I didn't figure oh, that yeah. out. But um, they were like, oh, you told them in the interview. And I was like, what are you talking about? I got to swear that it was supposed to be uh, in the interview for them to place you in what level. I remember saying I had lived in Korea two years, but I think I might have accidentally said I wanted to be in class too. <laughs> I don't know oh, what man. happened. Like, but she was like, in your interview, you said it. It has it right here. And I'm like, I never said that. I said, I've been in here for two years. But I guess my, like, my Korean was good. Anyway, I think that's where the mix up got in. But it was still a good experience. I gained friends there. I did learn a lot of Korean. It helped, you know, being um, a similar you know, having assimilated to it already and being around it. So that was a good experience, but it was a struggle living off of my own money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was also trying to go after those opportunities that I had left. But one thing about Korea is it changes at the speed of light. You can be there one month and the next minute, the whole place you could you could look at one like storefront you come back a month later and it's a totally different place so those opportunities that i had left that i was trying to get back um they were gone like the people were at different places like you know so i really realized that okay (laughs) you know you you have to get it when it's there or you know it really leaves so Mm -hmm. Again, it was like a lesson learned. I learned so much about myself in Korea. It really just me as a person, who I am, what I want in life, what I would take, what I wasn't going to take. It taught me that. So overall, I still am glad I went through it. Because mm-hmm. I hate the phrase, what doesn't make you, what doesn't kill you, make you stronger. I hate that phrase <laughs> because I'm like, listen, <laughs> listen. But I will say I do not regret going through any of that. Yeah. Um, wow. I just, I wish I could have more words, beautiful words to describe no, just no, doing... everything. But it job. just, you know, just made me just really focus on who I am what I want in life, 
and just maturing too Mm -hmm. you know places will mature you and korea matured me so yeah yeah (laughs) that's it's a lot sorry (laughs) no 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 you're good you're doing a you're doing a wonderful job um just sitting and listening to you wow if I may backtrack a bit, so, you know, you were going there to study Korean because you wanted to become fluent. Was this your first time, like, formally, formally? Yes, formally, not formerly, <laughs> um, <laughs> studying Korean? Or had you, like, tried to teach yourself or, you know? Um, yes, yeah, so it was my first time um, doing it like professionally like in a school mm-hmm. prior to that all the korean that i learned beforehand was just assimilating and um when i first moved to korea i would uh, put sticky notes on everything in my apartment with the korean on there <laughs> and i'd have like t- like television and oh that's so uh, smart like you know the floor and the walls and the kitchen and everything like my whole house was full of sticky notes oh my gosh <laughs> was that wait did you, was that purposefully, like, inspired by the color purple? Because Seeley did the exact same thing in the color Oh, my purple. gosh. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, she said, hair, H-A-I-R, right. hair. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> wow. I totally, that's funny. That's, that's-, <laughs> no, that's funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Car, C-A-R. That's what it reminded um, me of when you described it. But no, that's so smart that you did that. <laughs> that's so funny. So, uh, yeah, everything. I learned a lot from my students as well. Um, I can say I stayed abreast on the uh, trendy teen stuff that was going on. I was always in the know, whatever the new slang was mm. and the new apps that the students, you know, the kids were on because they were like, teacher, teacher, look. And then they'd show me some new app and I'm like oh let me download this darling let me stay up the breast on everything <laughs> and uh like any of the slang um that was maybe one positive of being around preteens they kept you up on oh it's like, trendy yeah, I was trying what was going on. So, um, prior to that, I had studied like Korean on my own, but I really just knew like the alphabet and I was trying to learn it through like Google Translate, hearing them pronounce and I would try to pronounce, but not until I actually got to Korea was I able to. And I think I, I feel like I caught on pretty fast and pretty well. I mean, I guess you have to when like, you know, everything's in Korean, but mm-hmm. thankfully, you know, in Korea, most of the time there's always English right underneath it. Okay. So that was nice. But the words I learned fast were, or which, how much is this? And where's the bathroom? Where's the bathroom? So those are like the two. How much is this? Where's the bathroom? <laughs> those are like the two main things you need to know to survive there. Yeah. Uh. Okay, so you so you weren't a complete novice, like you maybe hadn't uh, learned in a classroom, but you knew mm-hmm. some of the language. It's not like you didn't know how to read or say anything. Right, right, okay. right, right. Okay. And, you know, by this point, you had graduated already, you had been working and everything. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, this Korean language program, was this since you were able to attend, was this open to basically anyone who wanted to go? Like, I take it that you didn't have to already be a student to go and study Korean there, but do you know, mm. you know, so, how that was? Yeah, so I had to apply, and I believe, did I have to write an essay? 
I might have had to have written an essay on like why I wanted to attend. Um, and then they picked only a certain amount of students to go. And I was one of the mm-hmm. students, thankfully, that they chose for that semester. But it wasn't like super difficult to get in. It was just kind of like, all right, apply, um, you know, tell us why. And do you have enough money to live here? That was basically like the, mm-hmm. I bet it's even easier now, especially with like the way um, Korean culture has blown up so much. They're probably oh, yeah. like, come on, come on, guys, you get a ticket and you get a ticket. <laughs> you want to learn Korean? You get <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm sure they're like just throwing passes out right now for people to come. So, um, cause it wasn't like super difficult at that time. Mm-hmm. It was, I guess now it was like five or six years ago when I went to school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, Getting accustomed to that Korean learning was definitely something new. I was learning about 50 new vocab words a day. Oh, wow. And then the next day I would get tested on those 50. <laughs> so I was learning upwards to two, 300 words a week. It's intense. Wow. So it was very intense. And that was just like level one. <laughs> so it, it was very, very intense. I would have liked to have stayed, but I probably would have transferred to a different school because mm. Yonsei is a little, just really by the book when it came to like grammar and words. But there was another school called Sogang. And I heard that one was a bit more about speaking and they wanted you to have like a really good feel and understanding of Korean more than, okay, do you know all the grammar? Do you know all the vocab? They wanted you to be able to speak it and just kind of feel and vibe with it. And I'm a creative learner, so that would have fit me a lot better. Um, And now I've been back to studying Korean heavily. So um, I don't know if you know, do you have you heard of italki, the app? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I had been using that for some months, taking classes there one-on-one and just being like, being able to like speak and like make mistakes and have someone to speak to and try has helped me like drastically mm-hmm. more than just like writing in a book and and okay, did I get that? Did I get this? It's about having your brain, your the wheels in your brain, just try to put those words together and make sense and just throw them out there and try and yeah. get confidence in speaking. So it's really a huge um, thing when it comes to picking a school that I would um, definitely suggest for someone who wants to teach. I mean, I'm sorry, who wants to study, you know, look what kind of school look what kind of teaching method or vibe that the school is that you want to go to, you know, do research to say, you know, there's so many people that are talking about different schools because because of this, I did a video on Yonsei Mm -hmm. and I said, you know, Yonsei is great, but it's not for me because I'm not that kind of learner. Mm -hmm. I have to have a more open environment and Yonsei was not that environment. So I might have, probably been able to stay and keep going or learn more at a different university but it did give me the building blocks that I needed to continue mm-hmm. learning Korean you know yeah. the books that I have in the way that I was studying I did keep those methods when it came to studying on my own um, and it also 
pushed me to know how much I can study at one time. You know, if I'm going doing five, <laughs> studying five vocab words, and it's like, April, you used to do 50. And then I'm like, well, April, you were like seven years younger too. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I need a coffee break and a nap. But um, yeah. Okay. Do you remember? And I, I totally agree. I think that's a great uh, piece of advice in terms of doing research ahead of time. But also, of course, you know, there's only so much you can find out before you actually like experience the place, you know, um, yeah, that's the, true. the institution that you were at. So uh, do you remember why you chose Yonsei in the first place? It was, I believe it was the one I knew about um, the most I had heard about. Mm. And it just had you know, so many accolades, like it's part of the sky. So like the Seoul University, Yonsei and uh, uh, what's the other one? Anyway, it's like three colleges and the acronym is sky. Mm-hmm. They're like the top colleges in, in Korea for Koreans. So when I thought of where I wanted to go, I'm like, oh, wow, let me go to a school that I know I'll get like a really good, um, you know, education and be able to learn and their program just when I was looking at it online just seemed like so fast and great but um you know you never know until you get there and just even like when I think about like when I was back in school like math classes or things that I didn't understand and I mm-hmm. think about it now and I'm like oh wow it's because I have to learn differently like my style of learning is different so um, it really makes a difference on how you retain the information so you know I know there's plenty of people that went to Yonsei and were able to bam 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 get it they probably graduated and are fluid right now but um, that's just a big thing to uh, focus on and to understand is like your learning style Mm -hmm. yeah for sure for sure and you said you were there for like three or four months is that how long the program was um, it was longer. <laughs> oh, okay. I was but, on my savings, so okay. I didn't have any more left. So, <laughs> so I was like, all right, got to go back home now. Yeah. Um, but if I had passed, I don't know, I probably would have tried to be like, hmm, who wants to sponsor a young girl over here? <laughs> 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 but, um, you know, it was just like fun thing. It was like, all right, party's yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. But it was, was it, you know, like four? I think initially I was thinking of like six months, okay, possibly seeing what I could do and then, you know, going from there and see like what the next steps were. But again, I was young. I was trying to figure out life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, plus, like so. you said, uh, it wasn't really. If if it's not, <laughs> if you're not learning uh, the way you were, are trying to learn despite all the effort that you're putting in and you know Mm. it's uh that's also probably another deterrent for wanting from wanting to keep going um right yeah so they had placed you mistakenly in this level that was for people who like already knew other uh asian languages basically right yes so um i'm wondering like (laughs) You know, in your day to day, this is a major university, but uh, I don't, I don't know how it was in terms of you being able to interact with other Americans, other Black people. Like, did you have any other people that you had mm-hmm. commonality with that you could, um, I don't know, interact with, make friends with? 
socialize, commiserate even if if things are going really poorly. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, So I did not know anyone. I was wondering where like the other Americans were. I was like, where is everybody? (laughs) But thankfully, like the class I was in, I think I'm trying to, it was just one class and it was like, I think eight hours. Yeah, it was like a pretty long class. Mm. And thankfully, like the other, you know, like the other kids, well, it's not surprising that they knew English as a second language. (laughs) I was like the only one there that, oh, little American, we only learn one language. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, all the other countries, they're like, yeah, everyone, you know, they already teach their kids two to three languages. So um, I was able, it was people from Malaysia, Hong Kong. It was a guy from Mongolia, Japan. And some of the, most of the classmates, actually, I'm still like cool with, um, they like, check in i check in on them sometimes they check in on me like on facebook so um i was able to gain like new friends and it was a good experience like the class like the the vibe and and even uh the girl who was japanese she didn't actually know english but i had to go to japan to switch my visa after um i just you know i wasn't going to stay at yonsei Mm. and she had went back to japan and we met up and we were it was so cute we were eating eating like shabu shabu and conversing in like broken korean to each other that we learned it was so cute because she didn't know english i didn't know japanese but we both knew a little (laughs) bit of korean (laughs) so we're like she's like she's like delicious delicious so we were like speaking like two or three sentences (laughs) it was so cute but um, (laughs) those kind of experiences made me glad even though i was in the wrong class that I'm positive if I was in like the right class, I probably wouldn't have been friends with any of the kids in there, mm-hmm. the other Americans. But I feel like I get along with people who are like a lot different than me. So it made sense that I was like, we all kind of like befriended each other and like a really cool group of like people. Yeah. So that was a really great experience. So when studying abroad, you know, you really, the way you gain friends and they're from so many different countries and different languages, it just really makes you look at the world and how vast and beautiful it is. And Mm -hmm. you're like, wow, I want to learn about this. And there's just so much knowledge out there and you just want to just find it all, (laughs) you know? So, um, so that was a positive throughout all the other stuff I had to do with being able to, you know, be friends with that group. They were, they were really, really great. Oh, well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah, I was, I was thinking also, you know, when you went to Korea the first time, you said something about how your mom kind of didn't want you to go. And then before you went the second time, you know, you had family stuff that you were really concerned about. And you, you mentioned also that this is like you were the first person in your family to be doing a lot of the things that you were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering, like, with both times that you lived in Korea, like, what do you think kept you going and kept you motivated to, to try and make it work, even though you were kind of like trailblazing in a way, you know, and like mm-hmm. and trying to figure stuff out as you went, you know, what do you what kept you going? Yeah, um, definitely. I had those thoughts in my mind saying, you know, I want to just create something new and, and a new path for, you know, my family and, 
Um, cause I'm the oldest. I have like two younger half siblings mm-hmm. that are like 10 years younger than me. So, um, it was quite, quite an age gap. And when I say like family stuff, like I had, I mean, we all have had, well, I don't know if everyone, but like toxic, like step parents oh, <laughs> that is just kind of like just made like the household just like, okay, can't be here anymore. Okay. So it was like those kind of stresses that's mm. like, just it kept me going to say, you know, I know that I can get away from this. I know that if I keep going, I can have my own things that's in a much more positive environment for me. And then whenever I do have children, like a much more positive environment for them. And with me having to having been to college, like when I went, like my mom didn't know anything about uh, like student loans and scholarships. And it was just like, I was just, I had to like figure it out all on my own. So mm-hmm. I'm at least glad that even though it, there were really tough experiences when I have children, if, if I ever do, but if or when I have kids, when it's time for them to go to school, I can help them because I've experienced, or if they want to go overseas, yeah. I can prepare them because I've done it before. So Actually, now that I'm saying it right now, I'm like, wow. (laughs) Okay, so I did, like, make some changes because it's like now when, you know, for my whatever legacy I can leave, I can be able to kind of have those building blocks and a Mm -hmm. foundation for, you know, whoever's next offspring, you know, to (laughs) say, you know, here you go. Like, here's a a step for you. You know, mama had a – was born with a plastic sport. Now you can have a nice little – plastic fork instead of a spark <laughs> we'll move up to the silver soon <laughs> we'll move up to a nice little plastic fork so <laughs> uh, you know being able to provide something like uh, new so yeah those are always my thoughts like okay if i can just make that change also like i just got done watching loki so i'm like change the timeline like <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Loki. I haven't seen it. I've seen people talking about it, but I haven't watched it. (laughs) Okay. She like messed up the timelines. Now the timelines are changed and stuff. So I'm like, ooh, yeah. Let me like divert and make a new timeline over Mm. here. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So that's that's what kept me going, knowing that um, I can just make a much more positive environment for someone else. Yeah. Showing that something different is possible. You know, because you've yeah, exactly. lived it. Yeah, I get that. And, and you mentioned, you know, th- these various opportunities that you were able to get by uh, by virtue of living in Korea. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, especially with your background in fashion, you know, what types of fashion things were you able to do when you were living in Korea? Yeah. So one was working with Drama Fever. So unfortunately, they closed down. But there was, uh, you know, it's like now Netflix has it unlocked, but it's like, it was drama fever back in the day that mm-hmm. like really had it, right? So um, I did YouTube videos for them. They were fashion YouTube videos. So I would go around like interviewing different places and talking about different, you know, Korean fashion and where to buy stuff. I actually had two different series with them. One was like K-drama style on a budget. And then another one was just like about uh, Korean fashion. Um, I also was a stylist for this English um, speaking magazine and I did a few front covers for them 
and the singing and like uh, k-pop dancing i was doing <laughs> i'm so embarrassed but like i auditioned for yg and s was it sm oh oh jyp and yg there you okay. go <laughs> why is that embarrassing I, I don't know, but I'm just like, mm. I was like, oh my gosh, I was like, girl, I, I guess I feel so old now. It's kind of like, mm. um. <laughs> but uh, there were fun experiences, but um, I did that mm-hmm. and just like at that time, like I was really into my blogging. So that was really great. And of course, my YouTube channel, that was um, like a huge thing. I was doing like a lot of collaborations mm-hmm. with different websites. And um, I think I had like one with like 90 Day Korean and um, a few of those. And uh, fashion, the Soul Fashion Week as well. I had went, I was able to go as a guest to someone and go backstage and kind of get all the experience and meet the designer. And then other than that, always attended anyway, just going to all the shows and blogging about that. So I don't know how I was was like a little busy (laughs) bee. But uh, but yeah, those are like a few of the things. Oh, that is so cool. I'm so glad you got to do all those things. Um, (laughs) do, Do you still sing? I don't. I I was just thinking like now my voice is all raspy. I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, I don't get to anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about. It. I was like, it makes me sad, but um, I think once like I get the place that I want. So I can like sing because I've like lived in apartments and it's like, I don't want to be loud, oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. but uh, once I get like the place that I want, I think I can be as loud as I want to. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'll finally be able to like jump back into singing because it's something that I do miss. I want to make my own OSTs for K dramas. Oh. So <laughs> that's like always been like something I've wanted to do make my own little Korean song, like when they're breaking up and singing <laughs> like an English version and they're in the rain. Like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so that would be fun to do. So um, yeah. hopefully. Uh, I can do that one day. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I hope you get to do that too. So, I mean, we're not here to talk about Jin Cha Cha, but I'm just trying to get the timeline straight in my head. So mm-hmm. when y'all started that show, were you still living in Korea, uh, studying in Korea, or was that after you had moved back again? Uh, yes. So it was not too long after I had moved back from, uh, school, from okay. like, don't say, from going to school there. Okay. And girl Davis had gone back a little bit prior to that. So she had been back and we were still, it was just like our connection to Korea. Mm-hmm. And it was a way that both of us could like, connect because she was in london at that time i was in missouri and then i had moved to chicago so we were even though apart and far away from each other and far away from korea it was just like a way to be one and have that connection and that path excuse me and that bridge to korea Uh so um that's why we started it and went for five years. Yeah. yeah. So it was really, so we stayed consistent 
And it was a really great experience. Like I, I enjoy podcasting and being able to share my voice and, you know, opinions and just be in that sphere. Cause it's such a community, especially like the K-pop, specifically like the black K-pop mm. uh, fandom and like people of color podcast fandom because there's like so many people on Twitter. It's just like nice, a nice community of like people of color. Um, voices uplifting each other's voices and like helping protect like for online when you know the stands and the fans want to kind of come and it's like no you know you got you have to build a community with different things especially mm-hmm. for people of color so that's been really great because it's so supportive it's like a very supportive just like community yeah. so so yeah it was just our way to keep connected and just and we learned so much about ourselves through that kind of like funneling through our memories and experiences and Mm -hmm. expressing them on the podcast. And it really made us realize things that we didn't, it was almost like a therapy to us Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) for sure. It was definitely like a therapy. Okay. You know, you said you were, you're working on um, a new show. Like you said, it's about uh, Korean fashion history, right? Did I get that right? Yes. Um, Yes. (laughs) So, you know, what What are your hopes, I guess, for, for this new show that you're going to be doing? Um, and is do you have any idea when you might be launching it? Yes. So um, my goal is for some time in August. And I knew I wanted to get back into podcasting. But there, there are so many, I feel like there's a lot of podcasts that kind of talk about pop culture and just kind of like everyday things that are you know that are going on yeah um in the news and I was like okay how can I bring my expertise and something a little different to the spear so that's when I thought of oh k-pop not just k-pop fashion but like a k-pop fashion history so specifically um just kind of looking at the trajectory of artists career so mm-hmm. my first episode actually is going to be about shiny so it's exploring oh. the fashion of shiny so from the beginning you know of replay all the way to don't call me and how their fashion has transformed and inspired different generations and um just the expression of fashion in k-pop and how they're both like one they truly are one and what I love about K-pop fashion is just, it reminds me so much of like the eighties of how, you know, or just think of Michael Jackson. And when you say thriller, you think of the thriller outfit and jacket and you say beat it. And you think of the beat jacket, and you think of <laughs> Billie Jean, you think of the socks, like mm-hmm. how fashion and music have just connected so much. And it's just like K-pop has just um, found that and just put it into that machine of okay we're gonna like amplify this times a thousand and you have such iconic things i mean you can hear baby <laughs> and then you all you think about is oh okay <laughs> do, do, do you think of Tayman with that hair <laughs> and the hairy back john here with his little fur thing is in the in the back out and <laughs> in key with this half hair shade like you like the memories just like come full force they like flow out of you so um so that's what the podcast is going to be um i'll be touching on things like 
you know, appreciation and appropriation. Why, you know, I know there's been a lot of conversations about it, but I want to dive into specifics on, you know, what these items mean and where they come from and why they are problematic. So I was like, huh, this would be like a really good spear and, you know, to be able to talk about two things I love, K-pop and fashion and bring just a different perspective from someone who, you know, whose whole life has been about just style and and creating when it comes to clothes. So yeah. a K-pop fashion history, that's it. It'll be coming soon. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. And and you definitely have yeah. the, um, what do they say, the range to talk about <laughs> those types of things, um, especially when you, um, when you mentioned like appropriation and stuff, because I feel like uh, a lot of people still don't know that a lot of what's popular in k-pop when it comes to like the music and the fashion comes from black american culture in a lot of ways you know so that's that's a a complicated thing there and you as a black k-pop fan would be able to speak to that um Mm. more than a lot of other people and then with your background in fashion like you you kind of can cover all these bases because you 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 know it and you've been in it (laughs) for so long so um Mm. Yeah, that's exciting. I I um I hope it goes well. I'm sure I'm gonna be tuning in when oh, it comes out. <laughs> Thanks so much. And um yeah, I'm glad to know that you're getting back in it again. I didn't know. I was sad to learn that you all were closing out Jin Cha Cha, but then I also understood like when y'all were talking about your reasonings for uh, closing out the show, I really understood. Um, and I, I didn't know that I figured that was it. I didn't know if y'all were going to be doing stuff separately or in terms of mm-hmm. like podcasting goes, I didn't know if that was it. Um, so it's, yeah, yeah. it's good to know that you're, you're, that's not it for you and you're going to mm-hmm. be coming with something new and interesting. And I, yeah, I hope it goes well. I'll, I'll be tuning in for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I've been like, just trying to like really jump back into stuff and. You know, I was like, hmm, I love to talk. So let me give, <laughs> let me get a podcast again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, you've lived in Korea as a teacher, you know, you worked there for, for two years and then you spent, um, some months studying there as well. And Korea still continues to influence a lot of like what you do and inspires you a whole lot. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, you know, do you have any desire to visit Korea again or maybe even try living there again? And also, are there any other places in the world that you would like to go to someday? Hmm. Yeah, so um, I would definitely love to visit again because I know it's probably super different than again when I was there vacationing like I just need like a good month there and I feel like I'll be good (laughs) um I could definitely live there again but it would have to be on my own terms and doing what I love to do so um I know there's a saying what is it if you love what you're doing you're not working a day in your life or something like like so yeah yeah. so um so that i know that's my whole goal but um if i ever did i could definitely live there but i know there's um 
or I could visit there definitely. Um, I actually want to go back to Japan mm. because every time I've been there, I've only been to Tokyo. So I want to go to um, Kyoto and I want to see a geisha. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a geisha and I want to have a tea ceremony and I want to go to the ninja amusement park and I want to go to the ninja experience so I can get new ninj- ninjutsu. Like when I was, um, well, I mean, I'm still in the Japanese culture, but I'm like, well, well, look at that. I just realized rain and ninjas. So <laughs> that's also peak fashion ninja. So I literally love ninjas. So, and then rain and hmm, ninjas has to look at that. So, um, I, I just love ninjas. So I, I really want to go back to Japan and just experience like the beauty of like all of Japan. And <laughs> this is random. Like before I loved Japan and Korea, I actually wanted to be, um, an Egyptologist. That was actually oh. my dream career for a very long time, like all throughout my childhood. Yeah. Um, so I would love to visit Egypt. I would actually like to be like a six-year-old trying to get like a master's in Egyptology and then spend like the rest of my life like excavating. Mm. <laughs> that would be like a dream. But yeah, there's so many just anywhere. I'm a, with, you know, with Corona, we couldn't even go out the house. Take me anywhere. <laughs> Where do you want me to go? You want me to go to Utah? All right, we're going to see some mountains. <laughs> like, take me anywhere. <laughs> I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> so anywhere in the world, like Thailand. Uh, I need to go to London and visit Grill Davis. Like, mm. oh, I love Versailles too. Oh my gosh. I want to just buy a French chateau and like live my dreams of like wearing a beautiful gown in like a chateau in Versailles. So wow. I would love that. Uh, but yeah, anywhere. Let's, <laughs> so let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel you know, a lot of people are feeling that way being cooped up and everything. Um, yeah, it's still kind of <laughs> tough to yeah. get out there. Um, so yeah, yeah. I hope you do get to go to all those places and um, <laughs> maybe even one day buy a chateau, you know. <laughs> oh, that's, that's my dream. Either a chateau in Versailles or uh, somewhere in Egypt, being an Egyptologist. Either yeah. one of those I'm I'm good with. <laughs> Very extreme. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm like so there. I can imagine it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be super fun. Definitely gotta hold on to those those ideas for when you it's easier to get out there and move about, you know. Mm, um yeah. as far as studying abroad goes, do you have any tips for how you were able to um, afford being able to do that? Well, oh, you mentioned it was your savings, right? So, mm, yeah. so did you basically um, just work a lot and save a lot to be able to afford going to Korea? Were there other things that you did as well? Actually, Korea kind of paid for it itself because I actually used the money that I got from my pension. Because, mm. you know, when you teach in Korea, you have to pay into a pension. So um, I got money back after leaving. Okay. So I had that saved and that's what I used. But let's say now if I wanted to go, um, I find it difficult when like working full time and then trying to save. I would literally only be able to save like $100. Like mm-hmm. it was like hard. And then I would go buy like $100 worth of clothes on she. And then I'm like, April, how are you going to save? And you're <laughs> buying all these clothes. So, <laughs> so, um, it, it really is about discipline. One thing I would do is 
I would like print off pictures. Actually, I still have it now of where I want to go and what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like on my phone, I had, um, excuse me, a backdrop of this place in Thailand I really want to go. It's like this um, little kind of shrine in a in the kind of bottom of a cave. And you have to like climb up all these stairs to get to it. And when the sun hits on it it's, and it has like this gold statue in the middle, mm-hmm. it's the most beautiful sight ever. And I had it on my screens. I said, oh, wow. Okay. That's one of my goals. So keep on blogging, April. Keep on doing like what you're doing because you have to. I feel like you, I have to remind myself. So that's one tip I would say for people if you want to save. You know, it's like you see this cute outfit or you see this like, um, you want to buy I don't know like a Starbucks or something. Just look maybe at that picture on your phone and say, okay, all right, I got to keep going. Like I know this is my goal. Even though I know a Starbucks, it won't kill us. You can spend right. that three or four dollars. <laughs> but <laughs> but every like penny counts when you're trying to really go after something. So and then I will also say like slowly start getting the paperwork that you need. Like mm-hmm. for Korean, let's say um, let's say if you want to go there, one thing that you know you'll need is a background check. And that costs I forgot how much that costs, fifty or so dollars. Maybe one have like different tiered goals. So maybe your first step is saving to enough to get a background check to get that going. So that's one thing off your checklist. And another, okay, researching what schools you want to go to or where would you like to teach and what towns. And then another tier, okay, paying for um, some some other kind of uh, paperwork. So I'd say it's good to be able to have a ladder because I feel like when there's something I want to get toward but yet I haven't I don't have like the tangible steps to get to Mm -hmm. it almost fades away at times because it seems like it's unobtainable so I would say create steps to just feel like you're just at least inching forward and closer and you're making these tangible steps that are making you closer so it's not like it's just a a dream or a story you're like okay I actually got something done to lead to what I want to do so Mm. I would definitely suggest that like I'm a planner I love to even write down wake up in the morning (laughs) brush teeth (laughs) fold clothes because it's like every little step to me is like a win yeah and I can at least say, like, I'm like, what did you do today, bro? I'm like, oh, you know, I did fold my clothes today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they those little steps make a huge difference. So yeah. I, that's one huge thing I would say when it comes to because it can take a lot to save money to go to another country. Mm-hmm. But take those little steps and you'll see that it really will help you. That's good. That's really good. Um And then just more generally for people who want to study in Korea or, you know, live and work in Korea like you did, do you have any just general tips or advice that you would want to share with people who want to do something like you were able to do? Yeah, um, don't think you can't do it um, because of circumstances, because I had a million roadblocks in front of mine, Mm. but 
thankfully it was because I did those baby steps because I got that back those background checks even though it cost me a little bit you know I went I paid it and then uh, the next step I did this and I know sometimes you have to get shots you know maybe go get your shots just taking those little steps and when even when the roadblocks do happen you'll already have like the necessity things the necessities in place Mm -hmm. that when it is time you'll be ready also I mean, researching as much as you can and going on things like Reddit and really reading about people's experiences. I feel like now there's so much, there's so many resources now. (laughs) Like, I feel like back in in my time, like when I did go to Korea, Mm -hmm. the first, I mean, that was like almost 10 years ago, like the very, very first time. It wasn't a lot. Like, I remember there were like a few um, black women that I would follow that were there. And it was like, just like, two that were vlogging about it and I would just religiously watch their videos like wow I want to get this experience <laughs> everyone's experience is different but you really yeah. have to hear those first hands from people and it's good to hear the first hands that aren't all just beautiful rainbows but also the negatives and but don't let those negatives hold you back but just know People are people everywhere there's going to be good people there's mm-hmm. going to be bad but just know you have your goal and you want to get you want to get to it, especially if it's being fluent in Korean or fluent in whatever language. Um, it's all about experiences, and it helps you grow. So yeah, those are a few. Mm. Those are good and 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 honest as well. You know, when when you say when you say it's not all going to be good, but that doesn't mean it's going to be all bad either. You know, it's just mm. having right right reasonable expectations. You know, f- for what you're getting into. So. Thanks for that wisdom. Yeah, so I guess my last question would be, where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so? Oh, yeah. So I am at April underscore J88 on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and what else do I have? Yeah, I think those are my main ones. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I just made a Twitter account for the K-pop fashion history, but it's still brand new. So I have to start the promo on that. But yeah, they can catch me there. Okay. I am. Oh, and my YouTube channel. I don't really do much there. It's too much work making long videos. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok is so much easier because it's like a 30 second video. Mm-hmm. Um. So I do post those on there. So I'm still on YouTube. But yeah, catch me there. Yeah. And the YouTube is your name, right? April J. Yes. Uh, April J. Do I have another thing? Yeah, yeah. It should just be April J. If you um, post that. Yeah, I should be right there with my cringy old career videos. (laughs) No, (laughs) I'll be there. (laughs) I mean, when I was looking through them, I didn't feel like they were cringy. But of course, you know, this is me speaking from the outside you know, <laughs> um, and, and you said for the new show, is it is that what the Twitter account is? K-pop fashion history. Yes, okay. um, it should be K-pop fashion history is like the handle, but mm-hmm. the title is a K-pop fashion history, mm-hmm. and just type that in. Hopefully, it pops up. I know new accounts; it takes a little yeah. bit, but I'll be <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Right. Oh, and then oh. I'm sorry. I forgot. Uh, oh, my gosh. I totally like, forgot half of my thing. Uh, you can also get my blog at sweetxaesthetic.com. Mm-hmm. And then my face mask is are at sweetxaestheticshop.com. But any of my social medias, you can just click the links in there and it leads. But I totally forgot about that. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. I mean, you're, you're available at a lot of places. So there are a lot of places people can interact with with your work or you know see what you're doing there's april j there's a k-pop fashion history and then there's sweet aesthetic people can get some masks or whatever else you're making or read what you're writing about you know fashion i got tin jobs <laughs> <laughs> it's you're giving people options you know you know you're not limiting yourself creatively and then you're also giving people options for where they can find you so that's cool yeah <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for that. Um, and thank you again for your time. You know, I, um, like I said, I, I'm just so impressed with you and what you've been able to do. And I'm, I'm, even though Jin Cha Cha is gone, I'm always going to be a Jin Cha Cha fan. I'm looking forward to being a fan of this new show. (laughs) And I, um, I'm really glad that, uh, we were able to have this time to talk together. I hope you have enjoyed it as well. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for reaching out. I had a really fun time. Thank you for, I mean, your platform, giving voices to so many people. It's really appreciated. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Yes, it's my pleasure. Really glad that <laughs> this was able to happen. I'm really appreciative, <laughs> appreciative of your time as well. So, um, no yeah, I, I hope, hope you have a great evening and weekend and everything (laughs) oh you too you too i hope i didn't like talk too much or depress people i'm so sorry (laughs) no no i love it i love i mean (laughs) i'm used to listening to you talk so it's not a problem for me (laughs) i'm sure it won't be a problem for others either like you you know you're you're very good at um you know telling stories and whatnot so i'm sure no one will mind uh you definitely (laughs) didn't talk too much or whatever i feel like everything was just you know, honest and and sincere. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're so sweet. I'm so glad to have been on here. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, April. You're very sweet (laughs) as well. Yes, you're very welcome. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I will talk to you later. Okay, April? All right. Have a great... All right. You too. Bye. (laughs) All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to April for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook, and at YG Abroad on Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young Gifted and Abroad wherever podcasts are, and you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, the guest is going to be someone whose life and career revolves around books, including romance, (laughs) and who also studied Italian in Italy. (laughs) So you can look forward to hearing more about that in two weeks. But until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.